Support for this podcast comes from Guardian Jobs. Guardian Jobs provides a range of recruitment and branding solutions with access to a monthly audience of 149 million users. They offer a range of innovative talent attraction and content options, ranging from the latest programmatic and behavioural targeting to developing content partnerships on themes such as the future of work and women in tech for organisations like Deloitte and Sky. To find out how they can help you, visit recruiters.theguardian.com. That's recruiters.theguardian.com. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 50 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Before I introduce this week's guest, I just wanted to say a massive thank you to everyone who has helped me get to the 50th episode of this podcast. Thanks to all of my guests, thanks to all of the sponsors for their support, and a huge thanks to you for listening, for sharing, and for sending me your feedback. I'm really looking forward to getting started on the next 50 episodes. So, on to this week's show. I've been doing a lot of research this year into the levels of consistency large companies have with their EVP and employer brand across different geographies and different types of role. My guest this week is someone who has a lot of expertise in this area. John Wilson is founder and CEO of RPO Wilson HCG. Listen on to hear his perspective on global employer branding. Hi, John. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm very good. Very good. It's a, it's a nice sunny evening where I am. Uh, what about where you are? Uh, it is a beautiful sunny day uh, here in Tampa, Florida. Cool. Fantastic. Uh, could you just start off by introducing yourself and um, your company so everyone can get a sense of, um, uh, of who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is John Wilson. I am uh, the CEO and founder of Wilson HCG. We are a global uh, recruitment process outsourcing firm, uh, as well as a talent consulting firm uh, based uh, in, the, in the States and Tampa, Florida is our global headquarters uh, and our MIA headquarters in uh, London. Cool, fantastic. And uh, what we're sort of sort of talking about uh, on this episode of the show um, is employer branding, because I know that's something that you guys have, um, uh, you know, uh, do a lot of work in, have a lot of opinions, um, have a lot of opinions about. Um, what what did, what what does employer branding look like in 2016? I mean, how how do you think it's changing, and what what are the sort of key issues that you're that you're seeing? Yeah, it's a great question. I think a lot of that is regionally based, um, where some organizations have spent been spending money on employment branding for years, and others are just in the infancy of uh, figuring out what their strategy is. Um, but I, I think the companies that really do it well, there'll be a move in 2016 to evolve employment branding to be more specific uh, as that relates to whether it be regional ba- regionally based um, or based on function. Uh, it, it all comes down to how you are, uh, how you're perceived by the, by the market. And, and lastly, I think the most important piece is organizations are starting to understand the 
impact on their top and bottom line of having a good versus bad employment brand. And uh, you sort of mentioned the the global thing um, there, which I think is um, which I think is quite interesting. I mean, I, I I sort of talk to a lot of companies who potentially kind of have an issue with how do they get global consistency in their employer brand, but actually um, make it make it resonate um, and be relevant on a um, on a local on a on a local level. Um, what what in your experience is 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 working? What are people um, what are people doing to 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 implement these these global strategies in in, in multiple markets? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question and something that we hear from our clients all the time on how do we do this and the company is different in uh, Singapore than it is in New York and how do we make sure that we take those things and uh, have the proper brand in the specific markets. And what we've noticed in many of the companies is when we look at the employee value proposition, there usually isn't too much variance. Um, it, it really boils down to what the company stands for and what it's like to be an employee there. However, understanding the local nuances of it. So if I have a, um, a call center in uh, Malaysia and I have a tech center in Silicon Valley, the way that that brand should be portrayed is different. Um, the things that would attract me to a company, uh, if I'm that software developer, is different than what it would track me if I was a customer service rep in uh, in Manila. And so I think making sure you understand who your target market is and who you want to reach uh, is, is key, but also making sure you're authentic. Um, the values that would drive people to be interested in an organization don't have to vary as much as it's how the message is uh, sent and broadcast. Which companies do this well? Do you think? You know, do, you, do you sort of have any examples of people who have um, who are overcoming these challenges, these challenges, these challenges, and are resonating um, in 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 the different markets? Yeah, you know, Johnson and Johnson is one that I think uh, we admire. We put out a uh, top hundred employment brands um, report every year. And Johnson Johnson was number one on that list this year. And they've made a, a pretty big jump from where they were the prior year. But a lot of things that they're doing that I, I think is uh, really impressive, are, is, one is that they lay out expectations of each role and lay out expectations of what the process is going to be like, what it will entail. Um, and they're very consistent with the way that they talk about their innovation and their growth regardless of um, where it is in the world. And I think that that's a key, is that as we, we talked about the call center rep in Manila versus the software engineer in Silicon Valley, when you talk about innovation and growth, that's interesting to both people. And even if their careers uh, are very different, uh, I think it's important. And then w one other thing that they, uh, they do that I like quite a bit is the the job descriptions and how they have them uh, on their on their website and really has it goes through their entire brand is is almost country specific as well as role specific. Um, so the the I would say lingo or the the language uh, is very specific to the the group of people that they're trying to attract, whether that be functionally based or regionally based. And I, I suppose just sort of following on from that, um, with with social media being such a big um, you know, such a big platform to 
um, to use in the kind of employer branding, employer branding messages and feedback and uh, and that kind of thing. Um, are you noticing? I mean, how are people doing that on a on a global basis in in in, in multiple languages? Is there is there anything that you're seeing that's interesting? Yeah. The, the- that's a, a big challenge that companies face because what um, and, and just from the, the n- different nuances in language, um, something can mean one thing somewhere and something very different uh, somewhere else. And so I, I, I think that that is something that uh, organizations will continually have to uh, address um, in, in 2016 and beyond. But I think the key for that is to have your social media being pushed out if it's direct to a local market, having someone in market or who has the knowledge of that market, um, rather than it come from a, a corporate office somewhere in, uh, in the world and trying to drive a message to people on the other side of it when language can be, or language can be very different uh, and mean very different things. Yeah, I think that's, um, uh, that's definitely a very sort of sensible approach. Um, uh, c- continuing that theme a little bit, I suppose, um, one of the things that, um, that, that I find when I'm talking to lots of um, uh, lo- lo- companies about employer branding is that um, content from um, the, the, the employees themselves, stories, you know, authentic stories about what it's like to work there, um, uh, con- user-generated content um, from employees is, is, is playing uh, a bigger and bigger role in um, the, the kind of employer brand engagement. Um, is that something that you're seeing and what would be your advice to companies in terms of um, h- how they do that and how they get more of it? Yeah, I, I, with, without a doubt, I, I think the, the employment value proposition is the number one most important thing, and, and that has to be created by your employees. That's not created by HR or marketing. It's by, it has to be created by your employees. We've used a tool, Brand Amper, that we've, uh, we've liked quite a bit, where all our employees can tell their own story. And when you take all these hundreds of stories and merge it into what is our EVP, what you find out is a lot of people are telling the same story. And that was a great way we were able to develop uh, our EVP. Um, and we have companies that have come to us in the past. One that I'll share with you uh, was a um, large furniture retailer. And uh, when we met with their C-suite, they, they said, we don't, even, we don't know what our employee value proposition is. All we know is what we read on Glassdoor. And what they had on Glassdoor was not uh, very positive. Um, so we had pushed out uh, uh, concepts throughout their whole organization to try to understand what their EVP was and how, who they were as a company. And it, it was amazing because it, you, most, most C-suite individuals think they have this great employee value proposition and um, everybody's bought in. And then when you go down to the employees, it's not. Uh, this was the opposite. The C-suite thought they didn't have one. Um, and when the employees came back and told their story, it was so interesting because they, this place was this phenomenal employer that the people at the top didn't have any clue about. So I think it's really important to go back, talk to your employees, understand who, you, who the company is. And it, if you do that, the employees become not only your biggest advocates, but they become the source of authenticity and transparency. Um, And to take that to another level is that we see companies that have do talent communities very well. 
And many of our clients, this is a, uh, an absolute must when we, we engage with them, is to build out a talent community. And what that means is not just for pipelining reps uh, or pipelining people or putting passive candidates into something uh, for future growth. Uh, but really what it is, is an interactive community where you see people who were hired in 2014 um, that are interacting in the talent community with prospective candidates in 2016. And that is where an employee becomes so valuable in them being the spokesperson rather than a recruiter. Your employees become your best recruiters and your best salespeople, and often it's not the ones that are, have the job title salespeople and recruiter. That's really interesting, and it's interesting that you sort of talk about um, employees from, um, you know, uh, people who sort of have been in talent communities since 2014 and, and, and all that sort of stuff. What, what, what do you think the lifespan is of a, of a talent community? Are these uh, literally uh, people employers could hire years after their sort of first engagement or is there a, is there a shorter lifespan? Yeah, we, we, we have clients that they're three, four years in before even knew it was called a talent community, um, but really set up these groups where, um, you know, we see companies that do it really well. I join my talent community and then uh, they, they go in and then next thing you know, they can chat with somebody who's a current employee of the company. And that's opted into this talent community probably when they were an applicant or looking at evaluating that company to potentially work there. And you know, whether that is through the system, being able to just have a chat with them uh, or through message board posts. Uh, but it, it, that piece of uh, being able to interact and talk to someone who's potentially doing the job you would be doing if you decided to work at an organization uh, is, uh, I think, extremely valuable and, and very, very powerful. And what role you you sort of mentioned Glassdoor already? What what role do you think review sites play um, in employer brand and uh, particularly kind of in employer brand globally? Um, do you do you think that they are listened to more in certain countries than, than others? Do they play an important role? What's um, what's your kind of view on it? That's, that's a great question. I think it depends on, uh, like you said, location is 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 key. Um, in, in, in Western Europe, in the United States, North America overall, it is, uh, I think it's, it's pretty important. Um, however, uh, I do think it also depends on the level of role with it, that you're trying to recruit for, you're looking for. Um, when you, uh, uh, somebody's entry level or young, earlier in their career, uh, a website like Glassdoor is, is extremely influential on whether they're going to uh, have a, a um, uh, engage in a process and want to proceed. Um, however, I think that we have a society that's also smart enough to understand that uh, good reviews and bad reviews don't always tell the tell the right story. Um, it's you know I hear companies say to me all the time, well, you know, all these people who wrote bad things about us don't work here anymore, and they're angry and upset and you know, try to explain to me the situation or why is it they have bad reviews. And, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, I think reviews are one part of an employment brand. Um, and they have to be taken with a grain of salt, but they also should be read and understand. Um, and, and then the, the applicant should be able to ask questions. I read this on Glassdoor. Explain this to me. Is this true? 
Um, why did this happen? It's all about transparency in a recruitment process, and that goes back to the major pillar of an employment brand is being authentic um, and, and also being able to give access, How uh, being able to talk to an employee that currently works there or having a recruiter that's open to talking about things that may be online that aren't positive. Um, those are all things that uh, I think organizations need to need to focus on. Yeah, I I completely I completely agree with you there. Uh, sort of final uh, final question, final thoughts. What's next? Where are things going in the future? What's kind of on your radar when it comes to um, employer brand? Yeah, I I think we're going to see uh, see organizations change their employment brands as we you know what you do in 2016 and your employment brand in 2020. Uh, may be very different. Um, we've seen a client recently uh, where we did we did some work for them to understand what it was in, in 2014 and how it's changed so much in two years. Um, and it's not necessarily good or bad. It's more on your organization evolves. Uh, you know, the younger generation coming into the workplace. Uh, what what's driving them and how is your organization responding? Um, so I think it, 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 we need to make sure organization, I think many are, is thinking of their employment brand as something dynamic rather than static. Uh, and then I also believe that your, your leaders inside organizations will help drive um, uh, the distribution of employment brand as, as, again, they realize how important it is for their top and bottom line as an organization. Uh, I was on a call with a, organ, a company yesterday and uh, I, I asked the question, I said, so you, when I Google your company, the fifth thing that comes up on Google is your poor rating on Glassdoor. And so if I'm selecting between you and a competitor to buy um, IT services from, I'm, and your competitor has a great employment brand, I will probably select that other, that other company because I think they treat their people better. So companies in 2016 and beyond need to understand the correlation between their revenue and uh, profits and their employment brand. That makes perfect sense. John, thank you very much for talking to me. Matt, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. My thanks to John Wilson. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can find all the past episodes of the show at www rfpodcast.com on that site you can also subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me thanks very much for listening i'll be back next week with episode 51 and i hope you'll join me this is my show